you have spent your entire life achieving safety, security, and success in specific ways. And to start losing that feels insanely uncomfortable. But here's the thing. You will gain what's truly aligned for you, what you really want. Hey friends, welcome to episode three of the Make It Inevitable podcast. I am your host, Stephanie Zamora, and today we will be talking about our subconscious winning strategy. The thing to understand about the subconscious is that it has one job, and that is to keep us safe and in its mind to keep us alive. So it is very fond of the known and familiar. And any time that we stray away from the known and familiar, such as trying to make the impossible inevitable, the subconscious mind will crop up and do whatever it can do to get us to stop. The subconscious mind is all we have access to until about the ages of five to seven. Five to seven, sometimes older, is when the conscious mind comes online. The conscious mind has the ability to accept or reject information. The subconscious mind does not, which means from when we're born until about the ages of five to seven, everything that is said, done, and experienced externally gets internalized in such a way that our subconscious starts to strategize around how to keep us safe, secure, and successful, how to achieve and hold on to love and belonging, all things that are very important as a human to have in order to survive. We're born into this life and we're born into a set of systems, a family system or a caretaking system. We're born into a religious or cultural system. We go into the education system. There are certain societal systems at play. All of this and our experiences within it and our experience with our attachment figures or other family members or peer group as we get into school shape our belief on a subconscious level around what's possible and what's not. So in order for us to succeed, to win, to have safety and security, love and belonging, our subconscious mind starts to develop a strategy. And this winning strategy then further develops us. So the subconscious develops it in response to what it believes is possible and impossible and what will keep us safe and secure. And as we grow, this winning strategy is the foundation for our perception, our worldview, our belief system, what we believe to be true about the world, what we think is possible for us, what we believe we need to do, listen for how we need to behave in order to achieve safety, security, and success. So it becomes this fundamental foundational worldview and it influences everything that we do from there on out. Even as our conscious mind begins to come online, we're not actually making fully conscious decisions unless we're aware of the subconscious programming at play. And our winning strategy is so baked in, it's so inherent to our worldview and how we experience life that we don't even know it's there. So we're out there trying to make conscious choices, but really we're being influenced by this subconscious winning strategy, this aspect of ourself that seeks to keep us safe, secure, and successful, that seeks love and belonging, and believes that only some things are possible and others are not. So it shapes everything that we do. Now, this subconscious strategy will actually help us produce a certain level of success. That's why it's called a winning strategy. And this term winning strategy actually comes from a book called The Last Word on Power by Tracy Goss. It is my Bible for life. It's very focused specifically on executive reinvention for making the impossible happen within an organization. So I have really studied this book and her process and methodology. I've worked with one of her coaches to have a better understanding of the winning strategy and how it shows up. And the way that I teach it is related to making the impossible happen in any area of your life. But I highly recommend her book. We will link to that in the show notes if you are interested. But this winning strategy produces a certain level of success based on that inherent baked in belief that some things are possible and others are not. So it begins to develop us, it begins to shape the way that we move through the world. It shapes the things that we listen for. It shapes and influences the actions that we then take. It 
motivates us to feel and experience certain results, emotions, outcome, so that it knows that we're safe and secure within the realm of what it believes is possible based on historical information that is incomplete. So imagine that you're a child. You have no conscious mind. You have no ability to accept or reject information. And you are being fed belief systems. You are having experiences where with certain attachment figures or friend groups or whoever it may be, that you're getting punished for behaving or being in certain ways. That you lose love It's withdrawn from you. It's withheld from you. You're punished. You get kicked out of the friend group. The teacher embarrasses you or shames you or you get in trouble at school for something. So all of these experiences are happening and they're limited by nature. They're narrow by nature because they are hinging on very limited and specific situations and other people. And you don't know who you are yet. You don't know who you're here to be. You don't know your purpose. You don't know your own values. But you are seeing that if you behave in certain ways, you get safety and security and success. You get love and belonging. And as a child with a subconscious mind running the show, all you're focused on is survival, is maintaining these things. So this has shaped and influenced your worldview. And you go out into the world based on this limited, narrow by nature operating system, and you continue to perpetuate the belief that only some things are possible and others are not. So when it comes to our big impossible desires, the things that we are claiming that we are working towards throughout these conversations, they remain impossible because of the very strategy that has kept you as safe, secure, and successful as you have been up until this point. This is a really mind-bendy conversation. And I know that because the first time I was introduced to this concept, it was very mind-bendy and confusing for me. How can this strategy that has allowed me to create a certain level of safety, security, and success that has allowed me to win in certain ways be the thing that's keeping what I want at bay, that's actually pushing it further and further away? How can that be? That's because our winning strategy is specifically designed to produce only a certain set of outcomes based on this limiting information and belief system that was developed when we were very young. Anything outside of that, it does not support. It only supports incremental change and improvement within a small realm, a small window of possibilities. And that's around the things that you already achieved. So in order to make the impossible happen, you actually have to learn to step out of the strategy. The goal is not to replace it with a new one. Any winning strategy inherently states Only some things are possible and others are not. And there is only one way to win, to succeed, to have safety and security, to have love and belonging. I must act in such a way. I must manipulate the situation in such a way. I must bend in such a way to create these outcomes only. So anything that feels impossible is outside of that realm of possibility that your subconscious has deemed safe and accessible. So you behaving and moving through the world in such a way that keeps producing this small set of results perpetually pushes what you really want away. And we don't want to change into a new winning strategy. We want to learn to step outside of them altogether. Because anytime that we're in one, we're saying that only some things are possible. What we want to do is step into the possibility paradigm. We want to learn to engage with the world in a completely different way. But in order to do this, we have to see our winning strategy. We have to see it for what it is. We have to understand our motivations so that we can untangle them. So we still have to do the deeper healing and growth work a lot of the times to step out of our winning strategy. But we have to see it first. And when you see it, 
It should feel gross. Winning strategies are inherently manipulative. They're not malicious, but they are manipulative. They are designed in such a way that we can produce certain outcomes. So we are listening for specific things. We are acting in certain ways to produce a certain set of outcomes. We are manipulating the situation so that we can win and succeed, which is our subconscious's drive to keep us safe. So it's not malicious. But when you see your winning strategy, when you really see it, when you understand what it is and you see it at play in every aspect of your life, it feels a little gross. Mine certainly did, and I will share mine with you as we go through this, but it's inherently manipulative. You're trying, you're actively working and seeking to produce a certain set of outcomes, but you have to understand this about the subconscious. It just wants to keep you safe, and safety to the subconscious is being alive, and it knows that you can survive in certain situations. It knows that you can produce a certain set of outcomes, and so it will do everything in its power to keep you in that winning strategy so that it can keep you alive. Going against the subconscious will trigger a terror barrier. It will trigger chaos. All of your stuff will come up. We have a whole workbook designed to support you with the terror barrier because it's that common and it's that challenging to navigate. So head on over to www.stephaniezamora.com podcast if you want to grab that terror barrier workbook and start putting it into practice. But just know that when you go against the subconscious, it will throw a tantrum. It will throw a fit. Because as far as it knows, any change straying off the known and familiar path could lead to death. And its job is to keep you safe and secure, to keep you alive, to maintain love and belonging so that you're not alone. You're not weathering the elements and the risks by yourself. This work is challenging. And it's really challenging to see your subconscious winning strategy because it's so inherent to your worldview. This strategy was developed over five to seven years, maybe longer, before you had the ability to consciously decide if something was possible or not, if you believed something or didn't, if a value was aligned for you or not, if you really wanted the things that you were told to strive for, if you wanted to be loved, if you wanted to be successful, if you wanted to be safe. So even as your conscious mind has come online, even as you have grown to a full-fledged adult, moving through life, making decisions, going after the things that you want, until you see and understand this winning strategy, you are not making truly, wholly, freely conscious decisions in alignment of what you want. You are completely influenced by this subconscious piece. You have to see it. And once you see it, you will see it everywhere. And seeing it is not enough. Seeing it is the first step, awareness of it, seeing it at a play, understanding it, how it shows up in all kinds of different situations. Then you have to do the work to step outside of it. And that will be scary and uncomfortable, but it is so freeing. And the world opens up to you. So much becomes available to you, accessible to you possible for you when you're not in this old winning strategy. I'm going to walk you through the four components of the winning strategy, and then I'm going to tell you how you actually start identifying yours because it's actually, we want to reverse the process. So the winning strategy is four parts. And when you craft your winning strategy, when you identify it and you lay it out, you will do it in one order. But to find it, we actually start at the end. So you'll understand that more as I get going. The first part of your winning strategy is what do you listen for? And this is both in hearing and conversation, what do you listen for? But it's also energetically. So if you walk into a party or a networking event and you tune in to the energy of the space, the tone of the conversations, the expectations of the event itself, that is also listening. So you're listening for something specific. What is that thing that you listen for? And for me, that's what's wanted or needed. 
It could be that you're trying to see if things are on or off track. If you're trying to see who's in charge, where things are out of control, where things need to be put in order. There's something different that we all listen for. And again, as we reverse this, you'll see why that is when we actually unpack. And as we reverse this, you'll you'll be able to better identify what you listen for. But it's important to know that we start by listening. We're always listening, whether it's in a work meeting conversation with our family or partner, whether we're walking into the grocery store, whether we're at a networking event, a friend gathering, whatever it is, we're listening for something specific in our hearing and conversation and in our way of checking the temperature of a space. We're getting a sense of something specific. We are listening for something specific. The second part is from what actions do you expect power or control. Power or control. Those can be triggering words for some people. So notice if there's a trigger there for you. There is some kind of association with power or control that's negative. Just hear these words for what they are. Don't attach any meaning to them. Power and control. Remember, the subconscious is wired to keep us safe and alive. In order to do that, we have to have some sense of control of ourselves in the situation. We have to feel some kind of power in order to create certain outcomes. Notice any negative connotation with these words and try to set that aside. From what actions do you expect power or control? You have listened for something. For me, I'm always listening for what's wanted or needed. When I'm in my winning strategy, what's wanted or needed so that I can act in a specific way. Now, the actions that we take will differ from situation to situation. The actual action that I take after I know what's wanted or needed is different with a client than with family than at a networking event. So the actual action changes, but there is a theme to those actions. For me, my theme of action is to provide what's wanted or needed more quickly, more impeccably than anyone else. Providing what's wanted or needed will look different from situation to situation, but there is a theme to the actions that you take that you expect power or control from. What are those actions? Third, what is the desired outcome? You are listening for something so as to act in a certain way in order to produce a certain outcome. What is the outcome that will allow you to know that you have won or succeeded? Again, that outcome is gonna differ situation to situation. The outcome that I seek with a client is different than family, is different than a networking event, but there is a theme to that. There is something that I seek to feel, to feel or experience that will signal to me that I have won or succeeded. What is the desired outcome of the actions that you take? So when we ask, From what actions do you expect power or control? How will you know that you have power or control? How will you know that you have won or succeeded? What is that theme to the feeling or experience or outcome? What is that for you? The fourth piece is what are you avoiding? This anchors completely in our core wounding. All of us have a core wound and it's some combination of I'm not good enough, I'm damaged or broken, I'm wrong or bad, I'm unlovable at my core, I don't fit in or belong. One of those will stand out for you or some combination. It will show up in your own story, your own flavor, your own theme, but those are our general as humans core wounds. So what is your core wound? What is so painful for you to feel or experience that you will do anything to feel the opposite. In order to understand our winning strategy, we have to know our core wounding. So what is that core wound for you? What would be so painful if you had to feel or experience it? If it was true about you, what would devastate you? For me, it's that I'm unlovable and I'm damaged and broken and I don't belong. It's a combination of those, but the unlovable and damaged and broken are the loudest. To feel or experience anything that reinforces the belief that I'm damaged or broken, I'm unlovable at my core, I don't belong, is insanely painful to me. And we all have a core wound. So what is yours? 
And what is the set of emotions or experience that you will avoid at all costs? So when we reverse engineer this, this is how we actually can find more easily our winning strategy because we don't know what we're listening for. It's so baked into our experience, to our worldview, to how we engage with life. It's hard to start there. And when Tracy teaches this, she starts with what do you listen for? That's really hard to see. You don't ultimately know the end goal. The end goal is to avoid feeling your core wounding. So what is your core wound? What is so painful for you that you will do anything to avoid? Then once you know that, you can move backwards to three and you can ask yourself, what do I seek to feel or experience that's the opposite of that? If I personally experience feeling chosen, feeling special and unique, feeling loved, then I don't have to feel or believe my core wound. So what is it that you seek to feel or experience that reassures you your core wound is not true? What are those feelings and experiences? And once you know what those are, what actions do you take to produce those? So if I want to feel special and chosen and lovable and irreplaceable, those are mine, so that I don't have to feel my core wound of being broken and damaged and unlovable and not belonging, I want to feel chosen, special, unique, irreplaceable. So what actions can I take to ensure that? For me, the actions that I take are to provide what's wanted or needed in whatever situation better, more impeccably, faster than anyone else. I make myself an asset to you. Whatever it is you want or need, I am the go-to if I'm in my winning strategy so that I can feel chosen, special, loved, irreplaceable, so that I don't have to feel my core wound. So based on what you seek to feel, you know the actions that you take. So based on the actions that you are taking to feel what you want to feel, to avoid what you don't want to feel, what do you have to listen for to know what actions to take? For me, I have to listen for what's wanted or needed. Sometimes that's in conversation. Sometimes that's feeling into the energy of the space, the relationship, the situation. I am always listening for what's wanted or needed when I'm in my winning strategy. So we start with the core wound and we can move from there backwards. And this takes practice. This takes a lot of intentional awareness and self-reflection and honesty with ourselves. Something that I have my clients do is track at least one experience a day for at least a week. If you can track three a day for three weeks, the more you do, the better. And you track it just like I said. What did you listen for in that exchange with the cashier at the grocery store? What did you listen for when you talked to your brother on the phone? What did you listen for when you were in that big meeting with your boss? What did you listen for so that you could act in a specific way? And what was the action that you took? The specific action that you took in response to hearing what you were listening for. Write that down. What was the desired outcome of taking that action? What did you hope to feel or experience? Pat on the back, a laugh, love, connection, appreciation, reward. What was the desired outcome that you took the action to create that you had to listen for something specific for? What were you trying to avoid? Judgment, rejection, a fight, conflict, being seen as incapable? What were you avoiding? And this is really difficult to see, like I said. It's so baked into your worldview, you don't even know that you're doing it. And it's easy to think that we only do it in the important situations, the important relationships and spaces, work, family, partner. This winning strategy is so baked into your ability to stay safe, secure, and successful to your subconscious mind. It shows up when you're at the grocery store. It shows up everywhere. And when you can start to name it, when you can track all of those different situations and you can start to see the theme behind what you listen for, 
ultimately. Even though it might have been slightly different depending on the conversation or environment you were in, there is a theme to what you listen for. Once you see that theme, you start to see a theme in the actions that you take. There's a specific action that you believe will give you power or control. What's the theme of those actions? And then you start to see what it is that you seek to feel. What's the desired outcome in each of those different situations? What's the theme of that? What's the theme of what you are ultimately trying to avoid feeling or experiencing. Every winning strategy is different. You might listen for what's wanted or needed, but you might take a completely different action to produce a completely different outcome than me because your core wound is different. Because you're different. You're a unique individual. You've had different experiences that shaped your subconscious, that developed your winning strategy, which then further developed you as a person. You have to bring awareness to it. Because any time that you activate this strategy, which right now, if you're not aware of it, is all the time, it pushes what you really want further and further away. You have to bring consciousness, awareness to your core wounding. Our discomfort and pain that we associate with our core wounds and their stories will drive us into our winning strategy over and over again. You have to understand this core wounding that's at play. You have to see it for what it is. And it's a lie. It's not true. It's something that you internalized from a experience or a series of experiences from when you were a baby to when you were five to seven. You internalized something from a limited narrow by nature set of experiences with a limited number of humans, you internalized that you're unlovable. You internalized that you're bad or wrong. You internalized that you're damaged or broken. You internalize that you don't belong. You internalize that you're not enough. Your subconscious did that. It took experiences that little you had and it internalized them in such a way and it developed a story that was so painful that it then developed a way of being in the world, a way of moving through the world, a way of listening and acting so that you could experience the opposite and you could know that you were safe, secure, and successful, that you had love and belonging. It's baked in, and it's not true. And our core wounds, especially if trauma was involved, they're so anchored into us, and we can do the deeper healing and clearing work. Process work, processing these stored emotions and stories and beliefs out of ourselves, out of our nervous system, repatterning and rewiring our subconscious mind, our beliefs, our thought patterns, it helps. It gives us leverage to move despite these stories, to stop believing them, to see them for what they are. But our core wounds never fully go away. They're so ingrained in us. They're so anchored deep in our subconscious mind that we can learn to move differently despite them. We can learn to stop believing the lies of the stories from our core wounding. We can heal things as they come up, as we bump into them. Because as we step outside of our winning strategy and we learn a new way of being, a new way of engaging with life in the world, we're going to have to face things that are really uncomfortable. We might start losing safety, security, and success in all the ways we had produced it before in favor of gaining what we believe is impossible, what we really deeply desire, what's really truly aligned for us, we might start to lose those things. We might start to lose certain relationships that hinged entirely on us operating from our winning strategy. I certainly did. I lost a lot of relationships when I decided to stop being the best version of whatever was wanted or needed. And I decided to step into a way of being that would allow me to create the things that were important to me. I lost a lot of relationships. There was a lot of pushback from my audience, from my clients, from family and friends. There was loss. It hurt. And if we're not aware of our core wound story, it's very easy for those losses and changes and pushback to reinforce this untrue core wound story that makes us feel so awful and terrible, that influences our subconscious to believe that we're losing everything, we're never going to survive. We reactivate our winning strategy out of fear. And in doing that, we start to win again at the old, but we continue to push what we really want further away. So many people don't do this work because they're afraid of what they might lose in the process. And I totally get that. The subconscious is not comfortable with change, it is certainly not comfortable with loss. You have spent your entire life 
achieving safety, security, and success in specific ways and to start losing that feels insanely uncomfortable. But here's the thing. You will gain what's truly aligned for you, what you really want. More relationships will come in that are more aligned, that don't require you to be in your winning strategy, that help you move towards what you really desire. New opportunities, a different kind of success and safety and security will come in. A deeper sense of love and belonging because you are really being who you're here to be. You're creating what's true and aligned for you. And isn't that worth the losses? I know it doesn't feel like that up front. I know that it's painful and uncomfortable and triggering as we go through it. And the reality is you won't lose everything. There are certain relationships and situations that will evolve with us as we abandon our winning strategy and start adopting the possibility paradigm, start stepping into that, living from that, creating a truly aligned life, bringing the impossible into reality. There are people, relationships, and situations that will evolve with us. The only way to know which ones are truly aligned for you, that will evolve with you, that will support you, is to do the work to step out of your winning strategy into the possibility paradigm. So many people don't want to do this work because they're afraid of what they might lose. And you have to understand that that is the subconscious at play. That is the deeper fear and belief system and strategies and traumas. And as I said in episode two, see these things as the gift that they are. If a fear comes up, it's a gift. If a trauma is triggered, that is a gift. If a limiting belief reveals itself, that's a gift. If your core wound stories come up, that's a gift. They are revealing themselves to you, and now you can work with them. You can repattern them, rewire them, heal them, clear them, process them out. This is challenging work. I will remind you of that frequently throughout these conversations with the intention of normalizing it. Making the impossible happen isn't easy. That's why most people don't do it. That's why it feels impossible. But what you want is impossible because of your winning strategy, because your winning strategy keeps you in a perpetual cycle of only these things are possible. Only incremental change is available to me in these areas. That is not possible. Your winning strategy is designed around a certain set of experiences, a certain set of successes, a certain kind of safety and security, a certain kind of love and belonging, which often isn't genuinely love or belonging. It's you manipulating yourself, contorting yourself, operating in such a way that you can win and succeed within what you believe is possible. It's not even what you really want most of the time. So deepening into this work will be uncomfortable. You will have to face more of your stuff. You will have to go into phase two of the methodology and eliminate these stoppers. Because if you buy into the core wound stories, if you buy into the fear stories, the limiting beliefs, If in moving towards what you really want, you lose something and that triggers you in such a way that you activate your winning strategy just to feel the known and familiar safety, security, and success, you keep pushing what you want away. Go into unpacking your winning strategy knowing that it will be uncomfortable. That doesn't mean that you will manifest challenges. It means that you will come into it with an energy and mindset of preparedness. And you will understand that of course it's difficult because my subconscious is wired in such a way. Of course it's difficult because I'm moving against the known and familiar. Of course it's difficult because I'm learning how to engage with life in a completely new and different way. We all fumble through this. It was really hard for me to see my winning strategy, to step outside of it, and to continue to step outside of it, especially when things got uncomfortable or challenging. Take the time to unpack your winning strategy. If you want to go deeper into unpacking your winning strategy, we have a whole masterclass around making the impossible happen where I go deeper into the different aspects and help you workshop it. There'll be a link to that in the show notes. But for now, start with understanding what is your deepest core wound? What is the thing, the feeling, the experience that you avoid at all costs? Because to believe that about yourself would be too painful. What is that? What do you seek to feel instead? What would allow you to know that your core wound stories are not true and an 
order to feel that, what actions do you take to produce that feeling and outcome and experience? And in order to take those actions, what do you listen for? And the more that you do this work, the more that you will see it at play. And remember, it's inherently manipulative. It's not malicious, but it's a little gross. <laughs> and once you see that, you'll start to feel icky anytime that you're in it. And that's great. It's wonderful because now you're aware of it. And the more aware of it you are, the more you can start to choose to live this methodology that I'll be teaching you. And you can start to engage with the world in a completely different way. That is what I have for you today. In the upcoming episodes, we will be digging into the internal and external conversations that you need to have to bridge the gap and to collapse time between where you are and where you want to be, as well as the conversation around context. Context is king and we will get into that more. In order to get the most out of these conversations, please take this one seriously. Please do the work to understand and unpack your winning strategy. And if you need support, again, we have resources in the show notes that will help you go deeper. Thank you so much for joining me today and being a part of our incredible community of purpose-driven individuals. If you are ready to put these teachings into practice in your own life, head on over to www.stephaniezamora.com podcast, where you'll get access to our collection of actionable and easy to implement workbooks. That includes our renowned methodology for making the impossible inevitable that's helped hundreds of individuals worldwide get into motion on their most important goals. Plus, our comprehensive guide to stopping self-sabotage and navigating the terror barrier with more grace and ease. We'd love your help in getting the message out and growing our community, so please take a moment to share this episode, subscribe to the podcast, and leave us a review on iTunes. I'll catch you in the next episode.